Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Me at 11.20. Literally, I have this. Um, is anyone like a morning person? Okay, we got four. Um, I don't know about you. Who was it that asked me, like, how was your morning? I think it might have been Micah. And I told him, I was like, well, we, he, he works with me sometimes. And it was probably about 8 o'clock at the time. And I was like, well, to be honest with you, I never really like any morning. I'm like, you know, I wake up and it takes like all of my faith just to muster up the strength to like get out of bed. Like if I need to get something done, I'll stay up till three in the morning. Like I don't care. But waking up like before eight o'clock, it's it's sickening. Like it makes my stomach hurt. And like I have to pray like, okay, God, like I'm just going to take authority over this body. Like I'm going to get out of bed. So that's one good part about... Um, you know, working for yourself every once in a while. Go, you know what? I'll just work till seven. I'm gonna sleep until ten, and I'll just work late. <laughs> like, because I really, I hate waking up early. So this is my morning, eleven twenty. Um, I actually have some notes this morning, so I'm excited. Anywho, I got a joke. You guys ready? This is what I was. This is what I was reading at twelve o'clock last night. It's not very long, but I, I thought it was funny. It says, my wife told me to stop acting like a flamingo. For once, I had to put my foot down. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. It says, to be frank, I'd have to change my name. I, I like, like jokes, but this is the funny thing, is I rarely laugh at jokes. So I'll, like, I'll try to find funny ones, and I'm like, I'll read like a hundred of them and none of them are funny to me. And then I read that one. I'm like, that is good. You know, like for some reason that just really connects with me. I'm like, I didn't really get it, but I thought it was funny. So um, my title today is Just Do It. I was going to put a um, Nike check there, but I knew Wendy would yell at me. So I didn't. But pretend that there's a Nike check there. That way Wendy doesn't get on to me. But... Just do it. It's funny when we were in the prayer room, I felt like everyone was sharing words about like, we need to be active. We need to be doing something. I'm like, that's what my message is about. No way. I'm like, confirmation. Like, high five. High five, Mr. Rick. So, so that's, where, that's where we were this morning. But um, I'm going to read a verse out of 1 Peter in a second. But as you can see, we're going to be talking about being active. All right, not just being readers of the word, but actually being doers of the word. But I want to tell you that I am in no way trying to convince you or trying to make you feel bad into doing something for God. I do not think that terrorism gospel actually does anything, okay? So I've, I've been in the seat before. I promise you, you probably will not get any fire or brimstone from me. I'm just going to read verses, and if that convicts you, that is not me, okay? So I'm not trying to coerce you, coerce you. I'll work on that word tonight. Um, but I'm not trying to do that word to any of you, okay? <laughs> Now Allie's going to get on to me, okay? I'll have Wendy and Allie waiting for me when I get off the stage. All right, here we go. 1 Peter 1.14. Are you guys ready? Do you have your U version? Or if you're like a pro-Christian, you have your like hard Bible? All right, here we go. I'm going to read out of NLT. So if you guys want to be really good, you can read out of the same version. But here we go. So you must live as God's obedient children. 
which means there must be some of God's children that aren't so obedient, or else he would have just said you must live as God's children. That was really deep for me, guys. That hit a new way. <laughs> it really did. I was looked around and no one's face looked shocked, but you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge you or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. So obviously, um, he's talking to believers at this point, right? And he still says he will judge you or reward you according to what? According to what you believe in. No, according to what you do. How many of you guys know that you reap the harvest that you plant? You guys know that? Yes, I'm very, very proud of you. I feel like many of us spend our lives planting orange trees and we get really mad at God when we don't have any apples. We spend our lives going, God, you're a God of love. Where are my apples? And he's going, I don't know. Why don't you try planting some apple seeds? <laughs> T.D. Jakes says this amazing thing. He says, God is a God of making trees, not tables. It's your responsibility to cut down the tree and make the table. So you guys might have heard me mention a couple, I feel like a few times the last couple of weeks, I've talked about how me personally, I believe one of the greatest prayers that you can possibly pray is to get down and say, God, please convict me. God, please convict me if I'm doing anything that doesn't please you. Because I don't know about you, but just me personally, like I said, I'm not trying to convince you into anything, but I just really want to please God. Like, I just really want to please the Father, and nothing, like, gets to me more than to think that I could be dishonoring Him or someone around me and not even know it. Because how many of you guys know they will know us by our, by our love? They're going to know us by our love and how much we love people and how we act towards people. Could you imagine if me being rude to someone I was actually a poor reflection on God? That's the type of stuff that really gets to me, not in a condemnation way, but in a conviction way where I go, God, I really want to represent you well. I really want to love on you well. I don't just want to believe this book. I want to actually do this book. I want to be doers of the word, not just memorizers of the word. Amen. I wrote this down, okay? This is one of my notes I was talking to you guys about. It's not very long. It says, when the Father brings conviction to his people, it's not one of condemnation, it's one of discipline. When the Father brings conviction to his people, it's not one of condemnation, it's one of discipline. You guys know what condemnation is, right? It's poor you, look what you did wrong. You are a liar. That's what condemnation does, is it clings to your identity. You are a liar, you are a cheater, you are filled with lust, you are perverse. It clings to your identity. 
All right, conviction goes, hey, hey, Corey, you have a new nature. Don't slip back into the old ways that you used to do that. Let's, let's do it better. Condemnation always looks back at what you did, and conviction always looks forward at what you could do. All right, so anytime you feel condemnation and you find yourself looking back, you go, no, no, no. I remember Romans 5, grace abounds. Every time I sin, grace is sufficient. Paul even, that's where like you guys have heard of the false grace message. A lot of times it comes from overemphasizing Romans 5, and we see probably the most corrupt chapter break in all of biblical context, which is Romans 5 and Romans 6. And it talks about how grace abounds every single time we sin. Caleb's one person that's with me. There you go. <laughs> Chapters weren't added until way later. All right. So, um, and then Romans 6, it goes, but should we keep on sinning? Of course not. Absolutely, of course not. But because of the one act that Jesus made, because of the one act that he did, we now stand in right standing. So if you are having condemnation, you have to remember you are in right standing with the Father. In the Old Testament, there used to be curtains, but the veil was torn, and now you are able to enter in to the highest place of praise, to the place of the Holy of Holies. But we also have to remember just because we have grace doesn't mean that we live from that one place. There's something better conviction is not one of condemnation, it's one of discipline. I notice a lot of times Christians, John's seen it before, it's like, well, God is a God of love. So he loves me where I am. Yeah, he loves you so much that he came and found you, but he doesn't love you so much that he sits in your sin and goes, wow, fornication is great. <laughs> I love this, you know? Like, hey, you just keep doing what you're doing. This is fun. You know, I love you. You know, he goes, no, I love you. Let's step out of that a little bit. Let's, let's step out of that just a little bit. I'd read some more sins, but I'm afraid our attendance would go down, all right? <laughs> you guys just read the book, okay? You guys just read the book. But, um, I, I noticed when I was growing up, maybe you guys know this from a parental view, but at least I'm a little bit younger. When I was growing up and parents would, would split, um, an unhealthy split, I noticed sometimes there would be one parent that had a little bit more rules because they really loved their child. And then there was another parent that just let them do whatever they wanted. <laughs> they were like the friend parent. Have any of you guys, again, I'm not trying to be rude if this is you, I'm sorry, but there was like the friend parent. And the friend parent like bought alcohol, the friend parent did like all the quote unquote cool stuff. And their kids today, I'm thinking of like some of the people that grew up with the friend parent, some of the, Honestly, some of them are in jail. Some of them have horrible lives, can't hold down a job, can't do anything right because they grew up with the fun parent. The kids seem to always want to go to the fun parent because they love me. And I realize a lot of time in Christianity, we want the fun God. We want the God that goes, hey, I just love you. Keep living like this. I love this sin lifestyle. It's so much fun. I'm sorry. I told John before I came up, I was like, I really like whenever I just get to tell everyone how much Jesus loves them. I'm like, I feel a little bit different. Jesus does love you. He's a God of love, but he's a God that loves you so much that he doesn't want you to play in the street. 
I never see an eight-year-old go up to a parent and the eight-year-old go, can I please ride my bike down I-75? <laughs> and the parent goes, I love you, of course. I love you, and because I love you so much, I'm going to make sure you're safe while you're riding down I-75. Bless you while you go. Because I love you, I would never pull you off of I-75. It's comical now, but a lot of you guys pray prayers like that. <laughs> I prayed prayers like that. It's like, God, please. You know, you go by the cops speeding, and you're like, God, please, don't let me get a ticket. <laughs> never again, God. <laughs> I swear to you, never again, you know? And it's like, wow, we're just trying to get out of our sin because we got caught. <laughs> you know, nothing brings repentance sometimes like getting caught. But the problem is, this is why terrorism gospel doesn't work. Getting caught brings repentance, but it sure doesn't last. It lasts about a week or two, and then before you know it, you're doing the same thing again. It's because the change wasn't in here. It was out here. So I always tell people, you guys realize God came to the world to save it, not to judge it, right? We're not here to judge anyone out there. And we're sure not to pick or bicker or anything around here. Pick or bicker, guys. Neither one. <laughs> We're here to love on people. And it's because my wife loves me so much. You guys heard me tell this story so many times. It's because she loves me so much that she'll take me aside and she'll go, hey, Corey, when you were, when you were talking to Blake, you sounded a little bit full of yourself. You sounded just a little bit like you knew what you were doing. Sometimes a little bit more rough than that, but we won't, we won't go there. And it's my job to go, wow, thank you so much. Thank you so much that you didn't leave me in that. And what's the first thing you should do? The first thing you should do is you should go up to the person. I would go up to Blake and I would go, I am so sorry. If I misrepresented myself or God, I am really sorry. That was not my intentions. Because how many of you guys know just because your intentions were good doesn't mean jack. <laughs> it matters what you actually say to the person. So if you go, well, those weren't my intentions. Still go and apologize. <laughs> Come on, guys. Don't play in the street. All right, next verse. Here we go. This is James 1.22. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. You are only fooling yourself. This is why we get to those like super like creepy verses in Matthew that like no one wants to read up here, like Matthew 25, where people come to him and they're like, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, and Jesus can look at him and go, but I never knew you. It's because you were fooling yourself, but not God. That's why Jesus looked at people and he goes, if you love me, if you love me, you'll do as I say. If you love me, you'll do as I say. One of the very wise um, statements that my grandfather used to always make was people always have money for what they want to have money for. Yeah. Have you guys ever noticed that? You know, again, I don't feel like I'm gonna offend someone today, but you'll go, <laughs> I'm sorry. You'll go by a house and the house is just torn up, you know, looks like there's holes in the roof and everything else. And then they have like a $70,000 car in the parking lot. And it's like, wow, you had money for what you wanted to have money, didn't you? And then you see that like in your friends, they're like, oh, I'm struggling with money. And then they buy something that's like four grand. And you're like, 
you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but you have money for what you want to have money for. And a lot of times, what's important to you shows. And that's why Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do as I say, because what's important to you will show. You'll spend your money on what's most important. You'll spend your time on what's most important. Many of us love our families, so that's why we get a job, because we don't want to have to live under the highway, you know? It's not because we love working, I love working. It's like, no, I love my family, so I need a house. So that's why I work. It shows what's important to you. Well, so I'm going to read that one more time. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do as it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. I wrote this down also. This was another one of my notes I skipped past. Um, Sometimes the most loving voice isn't the one that always supports you, but the one that is truthful with you. We all want to be supported, but none of us want to hear the truth a lot of the times. Remember, you guys have heard me say this a bunch of times, but the only way to get out of deception is to believe someone more than yourself. Because when you're in deception, you don't know that you're deceived, right? Or else you wouldn't be deceived. So if you're deceived, you don't know that you're in deception. So the only way for me to step out of deception is for me to be able to trust John when he tells me something and I disagree with him. I have to be able to trust, trust John more than I trust myself in order to step out of deception in a certain area in my life. So that's why I don't always need a voice that supports me, but I always need a voice that will tell me the truth. But be careful who that voice is in your life. Because how many of you guys know that unwarranted advice is always criticism? You need people in your life, in your life like your wife that you can get down, you can go, hey, if I ever do anything, if I ever say anything that's not loving, please tell me. You need people like John, like Gary, like Lindsay, where you can get down, you can go, if, if I ever say something to you or if you ever hear me say something to anyone, please let me know. I don't want to be like that. Because true conviction actually brings us to a place of purity where we accurately represent the glory of God. It takes true conviction, though. You can't do this on your own. That's why there's like a body and there's many parts that all fit together. You need people around you. If you guys read the book of Proverbs, literally the entire book, me personally, I would sum down to this one statement, you need wise counsel. You need wise people around you that can help you lead. Because I promise you, if you do it on your own, you won't make it very far. You'll be hurting people and not even know it. You'll be poorly representing Jesus and not even know it. You'll be prideful and not even know it. To me, that is like the greatest thing is to do something wrong and to not even be aware of it. That's why you need the wise counsel around you where you get down every week or every month and you go, hey, sweetie, have I said anything lately that was maybe out of turn or did, did, I, did I come across harshly? And you go, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And what does the other person say right away? I forgive you. <laughs> and it's a new slate, and you move forward. All right, next verse. Oh, I didn't give you guys this one. This was the Luke 6, 46 that I just quoted. It says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? How many of you guys ever played Simon Says? 
Um, did any of you guys, I know some of us did, we grew up in um, Grace Tabernacle, which is like an amazing church. And my mom was the children's pastor. She's the children's pastor over there. Cassian knows she's laughing. My mom played some like seriously competitive Simon Says. Like if you were not there, I can't even comprehend like, you guys have heard her talk, right? I love my mom, and this is a word of, like, this is boosting confidence to her, but she can talk. <laughs> like, that is one of her giftings. She can talk, and she can talk quick. Every once in a while, she'll get, like, kind of conjabbered over her words, and she'll go, I'm sorry, I was speaking faster than I could think. And I'm like, that's, that's a talent right there. You know, like, she can really talk fast, and it really carried over to Simon Says. Like, I can't even do it for you, but this is about how quick she moved, and like her voice like caught up with it. She's like, Simon says, do this, do this, do this, do this. You know, Allie can almost do it as quick as her, because Allie's pretty good at talking too. But it was, it was quick. It was super quick. And a lot of times there was Allie and I, like up on the stage. She'd tell you, come up on the stage, and it was you and like all the kids, and it was like a serious competition, all for a little piece of a Snickers. But we fought hard. But, um, you know, never once did I stand there and I go, I got it. Simon says, do this. Simon says, do that. Don't do that. And then I just stood there. You know, but a lot of us do that in church. You guys know the Great Commission? The Great Commission, go and make disciples of all the nations. We go, go and make disciples of all the nations. Got it. And it's like 98% of the church has never had one disciple. <laughs> and it's like, memorized it. Got it. And that's how a lot of us live. We go, well, I know what it says. Let, let's have a Bible study about it. I'm going to invite Gary over. I'm going to invite John over. And we're going to talk about disciples. We're going to make a plan about it. <laughs> and you meet and you plan and you're like, okay, this is good. We've really studied this word. I memorize it. I have the verse, the chapter memorized, but you never do it. You just, you just memorize it. Any of you guys get like honey-do lists, anything like that? Yeah. <laughs> I actually, I'm, I don't know if I'm one of the few, but I love lists. Like I always tell Allie, anytime like, she gets in her moods where we got to mop the walls and clean the baseboards and all that stuff. <laughs> Scarlett's like, hallelujah, let's do it. Anytime she gets in those lists, I'm like, don't tell me what to do, just make a list. Because I want to know everything. And I'm like, you better put it all on there because <laughs> once I get done, like, I'm, I'm checked out, I'm done. <laughs> you know? So she'll, like, she'll load up the list and I love it. You know, every once in a while I'll do something that wasn't on it. I got to go back and write it just so I can cross it out. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Anyone else like that? Or I'll like break up the bathroom. Like, I can't just put clean the bathroom. I got to put like the mirrors, the toilet. Like, there's just like a lot more stuff to cross off, you know? <laughs> Could you imagine if Allie got home one day? Who knows what would happen? And she's like, hey, how did the list go? And you know, normally it's, it's that thing's crossed off quick, right? <laughs> we get a lot done. Anyway, um, if she got home, I'm like, I memorized all 16 things. <laughs> I really did. I memorized them all 16 things. I can actually tell you some of the Greek words for it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you really want to hear something profound, I can talk about how I can relate it back to the Hebrew. <laughs> And she's like, but did you do it? And I'm like, 
Well, I spent so long memorizing it and memorizing the Greek words and how it relates back to Hebrew, I guess I didn't really get around to actually doing anything. <laughs> and that's how we spend a lot of our lives. It's crazy how many verses we can quote just because we're in America and because we grew up in church. And it's like, well, how does God feel about that? And it's like, well, I know how God feels, but... <laughs> Allie was just telling me we were going out to dinner the other night, and she's like, I've noticed that people's butts tell a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, because, you know, they'll say, stop laughing. Come on, guys, I'm watching you. It's like, you know, they'll say this whole sentence, and they'll go, but, and then they'll pretty much say the complete opposite of what they just said. And it's like, did you even mean the beginning yes. part? <laughs> like, do you remember the beginning part as you're saying the end part? And I just think about like Matthew 25 where Jesus, Jesus goes, did you clothe my people? When they were hungry, did you give them food? When they were sick, did you help them? When they needed a place to stay, did, did you give them a place to stay? And you know, I read down that list and it's like, God, am I doing all of this? So what if I can speak in Greek, which I can't, but it'd be cool. So what if I could do all of these amazing things? It's not on the list that Jesus seemed to care about the most. He cared about loving people. He cared about championing people and going, Gary, you're amazing. You are stinking amazing. That's what he cared about a whole lot more than coming in and making sure we have an hour-long worship service. This is not a Sunday thing. This is a Monday through Saturday type of gospel. I'm going to read one more verse to you guys, right? This is Matthew 13. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like. I don't know about you, but anytime I'm reading, oh, BT Doves, this is Matthew 13, 44. Anytime I am reading and I read the kingdom of heaven is like, I get serious. All right? <laughs> I go, whoa, 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 I might be listening to audio or something. I'll grab the hard iPhone and I'll look at it with my own eyes. And I'll go, okay, I really got to get what you're saying here, God. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovers hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. What's Jesus showing here? He's showing that the kingdom of heaven is worth everything. He's going, when you find it, when you find it for real, I'm not talking about all the plans, the 30-day challenge where you get around and there's no real love because it's all about love. When you find that, it is worth selling everything. It's worth counting it all as loss because it will change your life it will give you fulfillment like nothing else. 
This is very similar to that moment, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, you guys heard me talk about it all the time, that moment where he locks eyes with the rich young ruler. And he was actually, he was doing it. He said, what do I have to do? Because he realized that faith without works is dead. I know there's two large spectrums, but faith without works is dead. And he goes, what do I have to do to have eternal life? You know, Jesus reads it off. You know, you can't commit adultery. You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't covet. I think there's one more. And, and the rich young ruler goes, yes, I'm doing all that. And he goes, well, if you want to be perfect, because Jesus says, be perfect as I am perfect. If you want to be perfect, sell all you have. Because the way the gospel works, you can't just hold on to some of it. If you really want to do greater than these, you've got to be willing to sell it all. If you're wondering why you're still dealing with stuff and all of that, all of those questions, I promise you the first step is giving it all. The first step is going, you know what? I've read enough about it. I've memorized enough about it. I've gone to Sunday church enough and it didn't change anything. I'm ready to count it all as lost. I don't want to be like the rich young ruler that looked down, felt sadness in his heart, and turned away. I ask myself all the time, every time I drive home, every time I pull in my house, I'd go, God, I would sell all of this. I would give it all. Just tell me, just tell me what you want me to do. I don't want to hold on to too much. Please convict my heart. Please convict my heart, Jesus. I want to honor you with all that I am. Again, not terrorism gospel. This has to be a choice you want to make. But all of those amazing statements in the Bible, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, where Jesus says, you will do greater things than these. I promise you, I believe the first step is being able to release it all. Money wasn't the problem. Money wasn't the problem. He had stuff, but his stuff also had him. Does anything have you this morning? When I say that, does anything have you? Is there anything that you're not willing to count as nothing? Whatever comes to mind, you probably got to sell it. <laughs> you probably got to give it up. It doesn't mean that it's wrong for Allie or for Mr. Rick, because guess what? It might not have them, but it probably has you if it's coming to your mind. Let's go ahead and stand. I asked Caleb to play one of my favorite songs that I've listened to since I was a little boy and cried myself to sleep. <laughs> I really want us, as the words are on the screen, as Caleb's singing it, I really want us to look at the words. And like I said, I'm not trying to talk you into anything, guys. Honestly, if you want to stay the way you are, if you want to live the way you are, whatever you want, that is your choice, as long as it doesn't affect me. <laughs> But if this is something you want, if you want to count it all as lost, if you want to love Jesus with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, I believe this is the first step. So look at these words, and if you mean it, sing it from your heart. <laughs> 